0: Yeah, well, it feels like, um, um, it feels like some, some good things are growing and I just feel so grateful for that, you know, in my, in my own world, in my own home, even, you know, with Lila and I, you know, like feel so grateful that some, some good things are growing, but honestly, it feels a little, feels a little like it's edging on, um, uh uh you know dangerous do you know what i mean um i feel like maybe a year ago like god said to us like you know it's time to come back to adventure with me you know like it was like a call of god into adventure and you know i think adventure requires letting go of some of what you're comfortable with some of what's certain, some of what's sure, some of what's familiar. Uh, You know, maybe it involves letting go of some of my plans or how I viewed things or what I thought was gonna be. You know, uh, and I love adventure, but sometimes the cost of it feels a little bit like, ooh, you know, because adventure can go either way. Uh, You know, that's what makes it an adventure right because w- without that it's just kind of like you know come for a stroll or i don't I don't know don't quite know what terms to put it in but I feel like I feel like um uh, you know this idea of of having something firm having the rock beneath our feet having something safe gives us the courage to go out on an adventure you know when your life is under threat when you're in a unsafe place or when things aren't sure, you know, adventure can't occur because we're in survival mode, I think we've gotten really accustomed to living in survival mode and adventure feeling too much. You know, I think we've got to remind ourselves that, you know, the, the thing that gives us courage, because adventure is always a risk because it's uncertain, you know, that's, that's the reality of, of adventure. It might play out this way or it might play out that way, you know, and if faith was meant to be survival, uh, um, and look, you know, uh, there's, there's, it's not to say that taking faith to survive isn't a reasonable tool. There's seasons of survival, right? And I that's a reasonable season of life. But I think when our whole journey and our whole life becomes about surviving, it loses uh It, it loses its purpose. It loses what we were meant for, made for, you know, and the faith of following is an adventure. I'm convinced of that. And we need the convictions of the rock that's being built to be safe enough to step out into the things that God has for us, individually, communally, put that, put that sort of in whatever terms you want. But I guess when I say it's getting dangerous, like I want to basically this morning just look at one story and and go. What 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 do we have that we could glean from these guys? This this is very likely a familiar story. Um, but I think I think when we're looking at the adventure of God, His call, His purpose, and the things we're convinced of, you know, we're going to sort of mirror our sense of convinced off off the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego this morning. So let's read the whole thing uh, or most of it. Daniel chapter three. You might, I mean, it's on the screens. You can throw it up in front of you. It's like 25 verses. So its we'll, we'll be in this for a couple of minutes, but I going to read from Amplified. So Daniel chapter three, starting at verse 13. So, I mean, let's set it up for a second. You know, the book is called Daniel. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are friends of Daniel. What happens is, uh, Nebuchadnezzar gets a dream that nobody can explain, and he threatens to kill—I can't remember why—but anyway, he threatens to kill off all the all the leaders in Babylon. And Daniel, uh, he's gained a bit of favor with Nebuchadnezzar along the way because you remember the whole thing like he—he he was a vegetarian; he was one of the men who was saved. One of the strong men who was saved and he chose not to eat of the food of the land was a vegetarian. And basically he, was, he said to the king, like, oh, no, to his, his, to his superior, I'll, I'll be strong enough. God will make me strong enough, you know. And so he had started to gain a bit of a reputation of being a different dude who was on a different track. And anyway, so he stepped up and he said, hey, don't kill off all the leaders in Babylon. We'll, we'll sort out this dream for you. And he goes away and he prays and he asks God to interpret the dream. He interprets the dream. God shows him the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. He comes to Nebuchadnezzar and he says, this is a dream you had and this is what it means. Nebuchadnezzar goes, you're a dude. Like, there's something good going on with you. You got something true. Uh, And so Daniel's giving some favor. And so he says, you and your mates can go and lead Babylon. That's where uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get their gig. So they're like leaders in Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar keeps rocking on his road, decides that he's going to make a golden statue, and that whenever the music plays, everybody's going to worship, bow down and worship this statue. And he gets a report that these three dudes in Babylon are not doing it. So these three guys are friends of Daniel's, who Daniel put in place as leaders. Anyway, that's where we picked this story up. Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, gave a command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I've set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the dulcimer, we need, the, we need let's bring back the dulcimer. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon you could play one? I'll try. I think we should Google. I think we should Google what that is. Anyway, and all kinds of music to fall down and worship the image which I've made. Very good, very good. Now, if you're ready, when you hear this, anyway. But if you do not worship, you shall be thrown at once into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can rescue you out of my hands? I mean, just like, just slow the story down for a minute and just go, all right, you know, like, this is it. The king has said everybody is to worship this thing and if you don't then you're going to be thrown into the furnace and this wasn't specific to shadrach meshach and Abednego. this is what he said to all the people he's just found out that these leaders are not doing it so he calls them in and he goes hey i'm i'm gonna do what i said i'm gonna play this tune one more time and this is your last chance now like just think of the conviction they had to have like what, what convinced them? You know, because here, here here's their response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we, didn't, we don't need to answer you on this point. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will rescue us from your hand, O oh king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. This is like a in-the-moment reaction. You know? That's a... That's a... This is a, this is a bold response. And, and And the first thing that they say is... He's able to rescue us. Like they were convinced. That's their response. Our God is able to rescue us. Like how did they get convinced of that? What did they know? What did they experience? What stories had they held on to? They were convinced of the power of God to rescue them. They were convinced of it. They, They rolled everything in on that. And even if he doesn't, that's going to be better than worshiping you. What were they convinced of that, that their whole life was pointed towards God? And they said, no matter what, this is what we're in for. This, we're in. We're all in on this deal. doesn't matter. Chuck me in the furnace. End my life here. Ah, right, that is a, they are, they have got some conviction. You can't fake that. Religion won't produce that obedience won't produce that does you can't fake that moment you're not doing that to look good for a reputation to sound right this is a this comes from something deeper this they are convinced completely convinced of god's power to accomplish something good for them even if it means their death Anyway, it goes on. And Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. You could imagine, you know. You could imagine, right? Oh yeah? You think so, huh? Like he would just be furious. He's the king. Who can speak out against me? Who can you know he would? He would be so mad. And his facial expression changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he gave the command that the furnace was to be heated seven times hotter than usual. He commanded certain strong men in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. These three men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their turbans, and their clothes, and were thrown into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was extremely hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, looked and was astounded, and he jumped up and said to his counselors, did we not throw three men who were tied up into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, certainly, O king. He answered, look, I see four men, untied, walking around in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar approached the door of the blazing furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out of there, come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered around them and saw in regard to these men, the fire had no effect on their bodies. Their hair was not singed. Their clothes were not scorched or damaged. Even the smell of smoke was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants who believed in, trusted in, and relied on him. They violated the king's command and surrendered their bodies rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation or language that speaks anything against offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut into pieces and their houses be made a heap of rubbish Where there is no other God who is able to save in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. This is a heck of a story. I and mean, what stands out to us Straight out of straight out of the gates on this, what 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 thoughts come, or what what moves in our minds, or what what reflections do we have? Kind of like Australia. Do we have another mic just so that other people can hear Ben? Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, what what like pops to mind for us in the mix of this? I think for this this story has always
1: been. Um for me, that because they were so sure God would rescue them, they were one hundred percent sure that this furnace would kill them. So you're not you're not sure. You know what I mean? Like it was just, they weren't they weren't like worried about dying. They were confident of being rescued yeah from death. So you're a hundred percent sure that like this furnace is going to kill them, and then you've got a king that goes right. So we've got this hundred percent you're going to die scenario with timesing it by seven. Mm. do you know or an amount
0: let's jack it up let's jack it up and let's be sure sure
1: yeah and I, I think that they yeah their faith at that point is like it's a, it's a mm-hmm. yeah just a discussion about like well maybe this thing won't kill me it's like they're confident that it, that it would without God's intervention in it and that's that's uh, that's a that's a hell of a confidence
0: it's a big deal just a big deal, yeah, what else what sticks out to us? the um walking or the death
2: and rebirth in the fire um, and again the the rock of conviction can. No one can deny that. Not even a king can deny that. No one can shake it. But it is a process still that requires sacrifice. Well, you know, mm. the, the passage of which isn't easy, it's hard. Yeah. And it takes the ultimate faith and, and a spiritual death. Yeah. And reborn. Yeah. The yeah. Fire. The thing that stands out the most to me is like the the lack of them trying to work things out, or them trying to reason with God, or them trying to like just double check, or God, are you sure? Like,
0: give us a minute, yeah, King. Like, uh, we're just um, <laughs> we're gonna pray. Could we're you gonna... let us conference together here for a second? It's
2: like, it's like, oh, okay. Well, if that if what would we say? Like, if that's so, yeah. God will protect us, and even if He doesn't, we're not gonna we're not going to stand back from our convictions you're talking about. It's like, how many times will God ask or, you know, will something happen where it would require so little of me, yet I would consult and ask for signs and, Mm. you know, require God to make my faith a little, you know, less difficult. Right. (laughs) Meanwhile, these three men are faced with the furnace and there's like, there's no check-in, there's no touch point. It's just, I know who my God is, and that's that. It's just like, whoa. <laughs> mm.
0: That's cool, yeah. Yeah. I wonder who opened their mouth first, you know? Can you imagine you standing there, you're Shadrach. <laughs> Abenda goes, yeah, well, bring it. Abenda goes like, what, uh, <laughs> uh um... Yeah. Right, okay. I guess so. I'm. I'm with. I'm with Shad. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead.
3: Um, I think one of the biggest thing that stands out for me is just the, the plain miracle that happened. Like we read out this story and it just hit me like a ton of bricks again. I'm like, these guys were. They were in a boiling hot furnace and they weren't. The heat, the fire didn't touch them. Like Mm. what a huge miracle that is. And Mm. I don't want to just read scripture and hear stories like that and go, wow, Mm. that's cool. Cool story. What a miracle. Like the same God is at work today. Mm. The miracles of God are at work today. And he's so powerful. Like a story Mm. like that just reminds me how powerful God is and I don't want to limit his power. I want to give, I want my life to give his power of permission to work and to flow and to be present. Yeah. I just think the, just the plain miracle of that story is crazy inspiring. I want that. I want to see that. Do you? Well.
0: I said uh, I said it feels the, like it's getting the, dangerous. Not the fiery thing. I said that, right? I said that. Yeah. I think what I've always appreciated about this story is um, – like, you had a whole pagan kingdom under Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And then, like, it actually turned him around to the way of the God of Israel. And, like, yeah. you can just imagine the flow-on effect after that. Like, a whole kingdom was forced to, not forced, they were, in spite, in, yeah, cut into pieces, and their house turned into rubbish. But, it's, it's, like, inverse persecution. Yeah, but yeah. imagine how many generations that went, like, the effect of just that decision of faith and that mm. conviction that they had to have faith in their God and the effect generationally that that would have had on just how many different people I just really appreciate that about the story yeah yeah
4: yeah I think my reflections were similar to yours Tim like just feeling like I think first of all really grateful for standing on the shoulders of like great men like that that um, we have those stories to like reflect back on and like our faith and journey is where it is because of stories and testimonies like that Mm -hmm. and then just feeling challenged to be like oh what could I be doing that someone else might be standing on my shoulders like that I would have taken a great faith and done Mm. something really hard and difficult it's like am I really Living all for God, and am I thinking about like my kingdom family and those in the future, like the kids coming up, and like what are the things that yeah. um, I could be doing and taking yeah. a stand that would make a difference, or the generations that are coming up? And yeah, because um, yeah, I feel grateful for the sacrifice and the bravery of those before me. That means this is where I'm standing. This is, yeah.
1: it's hard to think that they wouldn't be stepping on those like people before them too Mm -hmm. so it's trying to think whether it's because it's like in because this is like kings two like this time and so this is like kings one is like uh the story of um like the baal and and the the wetting of a you know same thing is like you know Mm -hmm. this is we're making uh, yeah. like idol worship do you know yeah. how much like we, we should stand against this do you, know? Mm. you know you can do whatever you want we'll we'll, we'll burn our things we'll toss water on it we'll it's sort of like the same it's it's a different context but it's the same extreme it's like yeah. okay you want to do that you can put put some wood down there put your altar on there and then we'll do one for ours yeah and then we're gonna we're gonna make it impossible yeah and then he's gonna come through um and wonder, like, I don't know what the period of time is between them. But it's not that, I mean, you've got to work it out. It's not that long. It's, yeah. it's in Kings. It's within a couple of chapters of each other. Yeah. So it's It's. it's, it's that, that kind of, like, we know that we know because we see him turn up.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: But it's still a big effort to go. Yeah. We're going to go in there. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I think I think there's, like, a part of us that knows. You know, there's a part of us that can read a story and understand something and and consciously grab it, that's not the part of you that will jump into the furnace. Mm. That, that is. It's not the part of you. The part of you that will jump into the furnace is like that part of you that loves your kids yeah. and would run into a burning house. It is a deeper part of us that has come to an in, intimate, conviction of a reality it is this is not just our consciousness and I think you're exactly right there were these stories of who God was that were told and retold and a convinced heart had not lost the reality of God deeply and personally and internally because you know like yeah yeah you can't you can muster this bit up this this bit this, this this bit can't be faked. There's a lot that we can fake you know and there's a lot that we can uh, think of ourselves that actually isn't the truth of where we are you know what I think is not necessarily what I believe, what I'm convicted of. There's lots of things that I think I believe that when push comes to shove, I just I just maybe I don't. Because actually the, the life I live or the way I'm living out my faith actually doesn't represent any of that. You know what I mean? And if how I live says more about what I believe than what I say, if, if how I live says more about what I believe than what I say, you know, it's like, it's, it's like there's a part of me that's expressing the truth of where I am. And does that part believe that God is? that he will, that he can. You know, it's like, it, it, it says here, you know, that, that this is, this is the, the confession of Nebuchadnezzar, you know, God has sent an angel and rescued his servants who believed in, trusted in and relied on him. And it's like, are we those who believe in, who trust in, and who rely on him, you know, it's like, what are we believing in? What are we trusting in? What are we actually relying upon? You know, in my actual living, what am I relying on? What am I putting my trust in? You know, I think in some senses, this is the same question as last week what are we building upon what's the foundation that we're building on and is it the rock of jesus christ or is it something else i think i think in all honesty it's it is it's a revealing consideration you know as as we go like okay and look it's a high bar like if this story is the bar uh but I, know, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but I read this story, and it's like a little bit like what you were saying, Allie. It was like something in me got excited about the adventure of seeing God do what only God can do. I didn't feel in this story the fear of the furnace, and part of that is that we know the end. You know, but imagine if this story was your life, and you don't know the end. Because adventure has an uncertain outcome. And these guys, as certain as they were, it was still some degree of uncertainty because they said, but if he doesn't, we're still not bowing down to you. And it's like, okay, what God adventures am I saying no to? Because it's an uncertain outcome. Because actually I'm believing in and trusting in and relying on something else, or actually the foundation that I'm building on is something other than God. It's like, you know, I think that's prevalent for us. I think it's relevant for us. But, you know, there's something, a a couple of things stand out to me in this, and then we'll, we'll kick this out for discussion pretty quickly here. But first, there was three of them. You know, something had been growing amongst these men and they were friends of Daniel and there was something on the life of this man that was passionate about God and ready to stand for him and believed in who he was and was seeing God come through. They'd seen the strength that their God had provided. You know, the first thing that they did wasn't jump into the furnace. The first thing that this little crew of people did was said, hey, we'll just eat the vegetables and we'll believe we're going to be strong enough without the meat. That's a little bit more accessible, right? And hey, if, if it doesn't work out, then you just you then kick us out. But you know, that was their first step and they were like, wow, like God's coming through for us. And it's like, if we start with this story as the beginning of the conviction building process, you know, it's, it's too big a step. But what is it in front of you today that is like the God invited step in? that is building a confident trust and reliance upon him that goes, he is, he will, he can, because that's got to grow. And how? And, and we are the only source of limiting that. You know, it's like not everybody has to be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but somebody's got to be. Somebody's got to give them, give their life to this process of letting God become so sure and so firm and so real and so true that there's nothing my life wouldn't give itself to. You, do you know what I mean? And it's like, well, well, let's not start there and go. Would you die? That's a that's because that's that's a that's, a, that's, a, that's a, Okay, it's just like well, well, would you adjust? Would, would, you, would you be uncomfortable or would you be unsure? You know, it's like, just start there. And, and it's like, but, but what God invitations are we saying no to? Because actually we're building upon some other source of confidence. You know, I think it's there. I think we're asking of life to be comfortable or I think we're asking of finances to be secure or I think we're asking of relationships to be stable or we think we're asking of you know what whatever whatever the whatever the things might be I, I don't know what they are but I look at it I look at my own story of conviction building, and I think we can't ask the question, do I have the conviction of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I think what we need to ask the question of, am I living a relationship with God that's seeing an increasing of conviction? Am I more convinced this year than I was last year? And am I more ready and prepared today to say yes to God than I was a year ago? Or have I started to build on something else and actually it isn't serving? Do you know what I mean? Because I look at it and I go, well, the first thing God asked me to do wasn't move countries. The first thing God asked me to do in, in my journey with hearing Him and stepping in and gaining conviction, you know, I, I, I was like 17 years old, uh, read something that said, God will speak to you. Two, about two, two weeks later, went back to, to uni and God said to me, I needed some money. I needed a job. And I, I went to work at a petrol station. I just felt like, oh, this isn't right. Like, I'm not, I don't think I'm meant to do this. And someone came to me and said, would you go to this town and spend weekends there in this country town in the middle of nowhere and be the youth pastor? Now I'm in university. Weekends are a lot of fun. I live in dorm. This is a Christian university. So it's a Christian kind of fun. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying, right? You know? But we still found some ways to have fun, you know? Not debaucherous fun, just fun fun. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to miss out. You know? And then I was like, oh, I go to church with my family. And actually, my family's a real team. And a whole pack of my friends go home every Sunday with me for lunch, like half the uni comes with me. And we fill my mom's house with young people, and she loves that. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to give up church with my family i gonna have to give up fun with my friends and go like stay in some old person's house in some town to be a youth pastor. And God's like, Brad, it's me. Will you say yes? Will you trust me with your family? Will you trust me for your future? That's like, that's not a really tough thing. That's the first thing I said yes to the voice of God leading me somewhere. And I went and actually that youth group, you know, it was like six kids. It was like, we're not talking like, wow, go be a youth pastor with six kids in a town, you know, about 18 months later, it was like 60 kids and it was cool things happening. And it was worth it. It was worth it. And then, uh, you know, it was a year later that God said, would you drop out of uni and would you move to Australia? I was like, well, that was bigger. And, and, and I could take the faith that had grown in going to the little town an hour and a half away and letting go of some things that seemed great. And now he was going to take that seed that had grown and he was going to sow it and something bigger was going to get asked. And would I let go of something bigger? My education, my future, my vocation, the idea of being a psychologist, the idea of what I take and what I let that die. And would had, did I have enough conviction that God was good and I was going to have what I needed to go and take this bigger step? And then from there, it, it just it just keeps going, you know. Would you leave everything that's comfortable and move to Africa? Would you come away and not have enough money? And 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 faith is growing. And reliance is growing and trust is growing. My God is, my God is, my God is. He is, whatever he says is going to be safe. Whatever he is, you know, we get ourselves out on on a holiday that he has to go on and we're going to run out of money. And God says, keep going. You're not going to run out of cash. This is my gift. And then on three days before, we're not going to have money for petrol and we're going to be stuck in the middle of nowhere. $10,000 comes unexpectedly out of nowhere. We become convinced God provides, God provides, God provides. You know, it's like story after story, thing after thing. Are we positioning ourselves to let conviction grow? Are we positioning ourselves to let our heart be moved by a God who reaches into our lives and says, you can trust me, you can rely on me. And what would he spend that on for himself? I feel like we I preach this all the time and I'm so sorry. I feel like someone needs to talk about something else, you know, because it's like, you know, I feel like we've settled for something less and trusting and relying on him and letting conviction grow and believing that the adventure of the life of God is never too small. It's never too little. You know, we sit here with this little group of people in a circle talking about the things of God. It's enough because he's here. Because he said, do this. I, I this is, we, we're not doing this because I think, oh, this would be a really fun way to spend my Sundays. or Oh, this is a great vision for life. Like, it's just like, no, God said this matters to me. You know, we are here because I believe this matters to God. I would go to Africa. I'd go to Canada. I'd go to the U.S. I'd go anywhere. I'd go work for a church. I'd do anything to a point. But today he says, do this. So we do this. But it's like, is this why we do what we do? Because God is here. Because he's with us. Because we trust in him. Because we rely on him. Am I here because there's just nowhere else to be? Am I doing what I'm doing because I think there's nothing else I can do? Or am I in the things I'm in because I'm confidently trusting in and relying on God to write a good story in my life and to convince me of him? And is my conviction growing on the path I'm on? Or am I saying no to the stories that are going to raise up a conviction in my life that my God is? You know, what is it today? What is our Nebuchadnezzar? Do, Do what you will. God's with me. I'm convinced. You know, and and when we take the stories, you know, we talked about them here and we said, well, what, what do we have conviction of? Conviction only comes when we experience something of God and it's real to us. You know, those moments, we can't forget them because they are the foundation of the rest of the road. Don't waste what he's already accomplished. Don't waste, don't waste the conviction that's already risen up. You paid a price for that. It was hard. It was uncomfortable. It wasn't easy. Well, use it. Use it. It's yours now. It's yours. You know, like Lila said, when we we sold 18 The Point, I was like, how do you feel about moving out of this beautiful house, knowing this just probably is never going to be our deal again? And she was like, you can take this house, but no one can ever take what God did in my heart through moving us here. She's like, take the house. I've got the good thing. It's like, well, okay, what good things do we have that we got to well up within us and go, my God is, we can rely upon him, we can trust him, we can be confident, sow it into the next bit. Let it rise up. And we don't always have to be begging for the furnace, you know? But let's be people that read a story like this and don't go, oh man, I hope I don't have any furnaces in my life. Let's go, God, prepare me for whatever the furnace of your spirit is ahead of me. I don't want to fear the story of God for the life of myself, my family, or his people. I don't want to view it through a lens of fear. I want to view it through a lens of conviction and trust that God will go before us, whatever it looks like. If he's there, that's where I want to be. You know, it's like, yeah. And I look at this and I go, what road did these guys walk that led to such a conviction that such a powerful earthly force could not shake what the Spirit had done in their hearts. They weren't afraid. They were faithful, committed, and ready. I want to be. That's what I want to be. I want to be, I want to say yes to the God adventure and not fear the uncertainty or not fear the insecurity or the instability or the lack of this or the lack of that. And the truth of the matter is that's all still going to be present in the moment of the yes. You know, these guys, they would have had a moment of fear. They're human, right? But there was something bigger that they'd been fostering, that they'd been tending, that they'd been building. And their reaction was, oh, we're not going to give up this great thing for you to permit us to live we, nothing could nothing could sway me from this yeah two quick verses and we'll kick it out to discussion Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 this is in the sermon on the mount you know last week we looked at you know Build, you know, he who listens to these words will be, be like the man who builds his house on a rock. Well, these, this is one of those words in that, in that piece of the puzzle. And he says, no one can serve two masters for either they'll hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. It's like we can't have bake this thing it doesn't work it doesn't work we'll miss the adventure he says he can't serve two masters who are you serving yeah and those are the words his servants that's who nebuchadnezzar said these three were these are servants of the most high god who are we serving what are we serving there can only be one. Oh, I'm sort of serving God. This is saying something's going to have a hold on your life and be the driving force of your life. What's it going to be? And then Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Brothers and sisters, this is Paul. I do not consider that I've made it my own yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead I press on towards the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. I think we are not defined by the road that got us to where we are. Where are we going? Are we people who are rising in trust and rising in reliance and rising in conviction that our God is? You know, forget, forget the stories that are gonna dissuade us or the, the pieces of the puzzle that go, that's who I am. No, go, I've set my eyes on a goal. And, and the bar is higher than what I ever could have imagined it could possibly be. But I want to live a life of trust and reliance on God. I want a God adventure, whatever that might look like. And sometimes adventure looks like the most boring, most, you know, sometimes the thing I'm taking faith for is, uh, is raising kids. Oh, man, do, do kids make your world small or what? You know, right? They keep you at home. They have to go to school. You know, well, I mean, there's all sorts of things with kids, but anyway, kids are amazing. We're happy about them as well. But it's like, you know, we can't ask for the adventure to be something outside of what it's intended to be. It's like I'm taking faith for the thing that God's called me to and the place that He has planted me, and I'm believing that He's going to use it as an adventure. Yeah, focused on what's ahead. All right, let's jump into some groups. Let's talk about this idea of conviction.